Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Yes, we'll help you over the hump and late lunch. Is that what they call Wednesday now? Hump day, the middle of the, the hump of the week. I, I know what they're getting at as well, but it's a real uh, insane at this stage. It's Wednesday, it's late lunch. You're with us on LMFM Radio. You're very welcome to the show. My first guest today, you see, I've always known this about her. I've said it to her on many occasions and she's just laughed it off, but she can't anymore because she has been named as Loud's most inspirational person for 2022 at the Gala Retail Inspiration Awards in conjunction with Virgin Media. Anne McVeigh, congratulations. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> well deserved. Well, well deserved. And I know I can see you blushing at the minute. You're never a woman. You shy away from the limelight, don't you? I am absolutely delighted and mortified in, in equal proportions at this stage. I'm going. I'm at school at the moment. I'm going around and I, I kind of have like the coat up over my head, you know, and everyone's <laughs> making a bit of fun of me and stuff like that. <laughs> but in a very good way, you know. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I have to say, I'm completely overwhelmed today. Mm. But I actually feel quite emotional about it. I've just been overwhelmed by the messages and. You know, there's various groups I'm involved with and WhatsApp groups, and I've just been inundated with um, with messages of, of goodwill and that, and I'm completely overwhelmed today. I hadn't, like, I'd known about it for a couple of weeks, but I just hadn't expected it to be like this when it happened. You know, <laughs> so it's fantastic. It, like, it's it's a it's a wonderful feeling. It it's, really is, but uh, completely overwhelming. It's not surprising and well deserved. But here, take us back those couple of weeks. You got this phone call. Tell our listeners about it. Oh, well, I, I did, well, I didn't get the phone call. It was dreadful. I felt really bad afterwards because um, I'd had a couple of missed calls. Yeah. And I was saying, that bloody scam on me, you know. And uh, yeah, because of, it was because of the number and I didn't know the number. I thought, no. So there was a couple of phone calls that I thought, OK, I'm not going to ring them back. And then I'd done the phone calls. And then about 20 minutes later, I had another phone call. And I said, right, I'm going to answer that call now. And they're going to scam me. They're going to scam me. They're going to scam me to my face kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I answered the phone and this girl said, hi, just... Is this Anne? And I thought, okay, maybe it's not a scam. And um, so she had said that uh, that Rita Hannity had nominated me for the award. And, she, and I said, oh, well, that's lovely. Thanks for letting me know. And she says, well, the funny thing is that you won it. <laughs> so, um, so it was all, it just, it just completely came out of the blue because I had no idea. And, and I'm really grateful to, to Rita for nominating me. And I want to thank her for doing that as well. But um, yeah, so the poor girl, I said, she was trying to reach me for about three days and I was totally ghosting her at that stage. <laughs> so, uh, I love it. I'm glad I answered the phone in the end. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's it's a lesson as well. Sometimes they are real and they bring good yeah. news. Yes, yeah. sometimes they are. And, and, of course, at other times you do have to be careful with them. Yeah. But, look, yeah. um, the nomination was made. You were selected and now named as the Wee County's uh, most inspirational. I, I've always said it about you. I don't know how you fit in what you fit into your lifetime. And just <laughs> let listeners know that I only know about, you know, she's a great supporter, Aran, of Necrit in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, the oncology unit there and all the research. Draw her to hospice home care. You'll see her every year dipping in the nip again for the Necrit people. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I you know. Really just I, like get me 
you, kiss her. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know what? I, they know what I mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> I better clarify that one. She's a woman who deeply gives uh, to her community where she lives on the Cod Road in Drogheda and beyond. I've seen you out litter picking when you know constantly people just don't care about uh, dumping their litter, etc. In in your neck of the woods and beyond, and there you are on the streets, and of course you are the most fantastic Christmas pudding maker. I better throw that in too. Oh, thank you. I made them at the weekend. They're, they're all in. They're lined up now in my utility room waiting to go to good home. <laughs> good on you. But Anne, seriously, your family, your children, grandchildren, your own husband had been on his own cancer journey as well too. Yeah. And yet you fit in all this. What What, what have you got, Anne? Tell us. Uh, I do. I, 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 just a little bit of hyperactivity. I think that's what I do. When people say, "Well, you, you know, you're amazing. You do this," and I say, "You know, you should just feel sorry for me because I'm just hyperactive." I, you know, I can't even sit down in the evening. I have to take my knitting out. There has to be a blanket or a baby cardigan or you know, I just can't. I can't seem to sit still. I think I collapsed into bed, catapult out of it in the morning, and then kind of keep going until I collapse into bed the next evening. But uh, I, I like to be busy. I, I, I just really enjoy doing things. Which mm. <laughs> sounds bizarre, but, but there's a lot of things I enjoy doing. I tell everybody I'm, I'm a. Uh, a Jacqueline of all trades uh, and a mistress of none, you know. So, like, I do, I might do anything spectacularly, but I do a lot of things that I enjoy doing. And, do. um, and I, I, I love community work. I love my community. I absolutely love Drogheda, you know, as I said, love this second town. And, uh, so I think if I can give in any way to the town in any way, um, I like to be able to kind of put myself forward and say, yeah. And as I always tell people, like, I'm, I'm not wealthy, but I have time. And, you know, it's the most precious thing and the most valuable thing that I can give. To people and give to draw it is my time and, and I like to give it freely into things that you know that are important to me so um but I just keep finding things that are important to me Jerry <laughs> they just keep they just keep multiplying every year I say oh I have to do something about that you know so but uh, I, I just I enjoy what I do I like to be busy and um as I said I just I just like to to work with the community of Drogheda and to try and better the place for everybody mm. so that's, and, that's the motivation. And I never mentioned the gardening as well. She has yes. <laughs> her own plot in the allotments and she even grows her own food as well. How did I even forget that? Besides other things. But you know that saying, give a busy woman uh, a, a task and it's done. And, get done. and exactly. you absolutely exemplified that saying for sure. But you know, you said something there that is so true. You are wealthy beyond currency material wealth you are Anne I want to say that to you today you are just so wealthy it's unbelievable not in the sense of wealth and money or possessions or that and that is just something really special to have absolutely that's it and I'm I'm grateful for you know as I said we've over the last, I suppose, 12, especially in the last 12 or 13 years, I feel like I've come into my own, coming into my middle age, you know. Mm. I feel like I'm a different person. And, you know, especially since Jim got sick and, you know, we, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of stuff that has gone on in the last 13 years. But, um, you know, I feel that that has helped me to grow as a person and um, and to appreciate, appreciate everything, you know. Yeah. You get up and get out every day and start a new day and every day is a fresh one. <laughs> you know, you just leave everything that's happened behind you the day before and just move on and... Wow. Um, and I think it's it's a good it's a good healthy way to live your life, you know, to get up and appreciate every day as you have it. And they're not all going to be good, but mm. you know, if you look very hard, you'll always find good in something. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you have to delve very deeply, but you'll always find a little bit. I know good, you, you know? do. And marathon yeah. runner to boot as well. I forgot to even mention that. So the list just goes on and on. <laughs> anyway, ah, uh, <laughs> making me tired. No, not at all. You're making us tired. <laughs> and I just wanted to acknowledge your wonderful achievement. You are Loud's most inspirational person for 2022. Continue to do what you're doing. Congratulations to you and well done to all your family as well and Jim and all that that surrounds you. And uh, many, many more years of happiness to you as well and success. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The inspirational Anne McVeigh. An incredible woman. A dynamo. And I'll let you into a little secret. I did say to her one time, what about politics? She says, no, I'll get more done in my own way. The World Cup kicks off on Sunday in Qatar, not without controversy from the day it was awarded. Anyway, it's on. All the countries are in place now and the big kickoff is imminent. Well, what about it? And... 
you know, all this that's going on around it, the sideshows, etc. Or can you call them sideshows? Errol Sweeney is a former FIFA international referee and the man who presents the Hanging Judge podcast weekly, who refereed in South Africa in his time when apartheid was a big thing there and he joins me on Late Lunch. Afternoon, Errol. Afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for taking our call today. Well, Errol, this controversy around this whole thing, what do you make of it? Look, um, there's so many different cultures and different uh, this, that and the other in the world. I think we all have to respect each other. There is a lot of controversy about their human rights and about their um, against homosexuality and all that story. It's going to cause controversy. I know it is. And I know I've got a feeling. I don't know, actually. But I've got a feeling that some guys are going to go rogue and do things that they shouldn't do. I hear this morning on the radio that... uh, uh, the England captain, Harry Kane, along with six or seven other uh, international captains, are going to wear a one of those uh, armbands, you know, the LGBT, uh, the multicolour flag they wear, they're going to wear as an armband. Now, FIFA has very strict rules on, on the politicisation of uh, football, and they don't allow any form of politicisation, and they certainly don't allow any governments to interfere with uh, with the national bodies like the FAI here. Uh, so, I, 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 you know, I foresee problems, I think. I think, I don't know, but I, I can see problems if people are going to start um, pushing their, inverted commas, politics uh, on another country. You know, you could argue, and I'm sure the Qataris will argue, that you're in our country, and when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. So when you're in Qatar, you respect our laws. And those are our laws. You may not like them or agree with them, but we won't go to your country and start telling you how to run your country. So I can see problems. Now, from the get-go, when it was awarded, it raised eyebrows. As it's progressed, the whole issue with migrant workers and how they were treated, and of course the issues, as you say now, around their laws and especially sexuality, are to the fore. But Errol, you know, the tournament is about to begin now. Is that all water under the bridge? Is it too late in the day? Even if players make their protests, uh, really, the tournament, will it take the gloss off it? I I don't think so, although I did hear one guy uh, on this morning, he was just a punter in the street saying that uh, it's his, it's his favourite competition of all and he said, he, I won't even watch one game, not from the start. He said, I don't even know who's playing in the opening game. That's how... That's my way of protesting. But he's only he's only a grain of sand on the beach. You know, uh, there'll be lots of people who will watch it. I also heard um, comments from the Emir of Qatar saying that um, everybody is welcome and of all shades and colours and religions and whatever. And he said they're all welcome. Uh, but he also very subtly threw in the, the comment that this is our country, and we can run our country the way we see that it should be run. We don't tell anybody else how to run their country. So he has a point there, Jerry. You know, I'm not saying yay or nay that I'm in favour or against, but he has a point. Uh, would we like somebody to come here to this country and tell us how to run our country during a tournament? I don't think we would. Yeah, you make an interesting point indeed. What about the timing of it in a football sense for a moment, that it is at this time of the year all the major leagues have to park their competitions for nigh on five weeks? What do you think about that or how do you feel yeah. about it? Well, that that was always going to be an issue. There was that and there was the, the heat and all that story. Uh, but I remember uh, the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, saying a long time ago that he was trying to bring football to every corner of the world. Why should it only be in Europe and South America, uh, you know, and, and maybe out in Asia, although the first time it was out there was in Korea and Japan. Um, the first time also in, in Africa in 2010, in South Africa. So he was, I can see what he was talking about, of it spreading football to the, it's a worldwide audience that watches football. So, why shouldn't these countries also get a go at it? Now, the big problem with Qatar is the heat. But apparently they have designed the stadiums in such a way that they can actually pump in air conditioning, cold air, to keep it down. But on the other side, of course, traditionally the World Cup is held during our summer months. And um, that messes the whole thing up. Now, in South Africa, it was held... Uh, during our summer months, but in fact, in South Africa, 
that's actually winter. So no matter what you do or where you try to spread the game, there's going to be a problem with something, whether it's political, whether it's atmospheric. There's always going to be somebody that will disagree. I'm laughing about Blatter. I'm sure only last week he says, well, it shouldn't have gone to guitar and it was yeah. Europe. <laughs> it's so funny, you know, football, top to well, bottom, you, you know. know. You know what he'll say? He'll say, well, I'm only the president. Yes. I didn't make the decision. The, mm. the, the yes, and, the yes, he tried to hang uh, Platini then and say it was the Europeans that actually granted it to them. But that's a story for another day. From okay. your own perspective, and of course your big interest is in the officialdom and people's and those officiating at the Games and VAR, the World Cup, is it going to make a difference? Look, whether you like it or not, and people are bitching and moaning about it, but VAR is here to stay. There's no question about it in the wide world. It is here and it's here to stay. Why? Simply because people want to know if a goal was legitimately scored, if a red card was legitimately uh, dished out, etc. And particularly now, and especially, I'd say, on the offside is he offside or is he not offside? I think they've messed around with that offside so much and they've made it so petty and pernickety now on the slightest part of your body. It could be a millimetre. But at the end of the day, whether it's a millimetre or whether it's 100 miles, you're still offside. And the problem with the refereeing is that people say we should go back to basics and let the referees do it the way they have always done it, let the linesmen or the assistants as we call them now let them do their job and put the flag up when they think it's offside but the problem there is jerry the tv stations the the networks they will have all their cameras and by the way their their cameras operate at about 500 frames per second so they're going to you know uh, highlight all these things and if the referee and the assistants are operating on the basis of the naked eye do you think the cameras will be happy with that? They won't. And they will point out where referees have made mistakes. But that's why in Law 5 they've written that the referee's decision is final. And another part, important part of Law 5 dealing with referees is it says, in the opinion of the referee. So yes, it's very subjective. But now with bringing in VAR, it's no longer subjective. It's now being objective. And that's that's creating a problem and I, for that reason I think VAR is definitely here to stay It will be interesting to see the first World Cup finals where it is part of and the difference it makes or otherwise. I know you'll be watching and you can check out and listen to and join in with Errol in his fabulous podcast The Hanging Judge throughout the World Cup. One last question for you, who's going to win it? <laughs> I think it's very open, I think it's wide open Jerry this year um, <clears throat> I, I, I obviously have my interest is in the officiating, the refereeing uh, part of it. On, on, on the other side, I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess. <laughs> Stay on the fence, as all good referees do, Errol. <laughs> well done to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much for joining me again today, Errol. Uh, it's a pleasure, Jerry. Anytime. Yes, Earl Sweeney there with me on late lunch, his views on the World Cup. And we'll be coming back to the uh, World Cup and the issues surrounding it on late lunch on Friday. And Nigel McKenna, who was due to join us on the show today, unfortunately last minute couldn't, but he will be with us top of the show late lunch tomorrow. There have been people in touch just to ask uh, about Nigel. It's his birthday today. We wish him a happy birthday, but he's with us on the show tomorrow. Just a shout out as well for Mead's most inspirational person, named today as well to John O'Brien. John O'Brien is the man. Congratulations to you, John, and hopefully we'll grab John and have a chat with him and on. Now, the pandemic has changed a lot of people in many, many ways in the way we live, uh, the way we shop is another example of the way things change and had to change. And my next guest, well, she said goodbye to fast fashion and she's now shopping slow. I am really curious. Anya Kenny, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Anyway, this is a new term on me, shopping slow. I know what fast fashion is and I get the old uh, adrenaline rush from the bit of shopping I do from time to time myself, Anya. What is shopping slow? So shopping slow is basically kind of reconfiguring what way you shop. I think most of us are shopping fast, so we're buying kind of multiple articles of clothing online for going on ASOS, you know, we're putting stuff into the bag or getting the discount code and then deliver to our door. 
almost immediately, like the next day delivery. So we're shopping at such hyper speed, kind of, if you will. So shopping slow is about kind of taking stock, looking at, okay, do I really need another going out dress? Could I just wear a dress that I've already worn? And buying kind of clothes that are sustainable, that are maybe made of materials that are more durable and making sure that we get the wear out of our clothes in order to reduce the amount of clothes that we're buying. So that's what I've been trying to do for the past two years. So I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm trying and it's a start. Good on you. I just got another phrase that's come to mind as I speak to you. TikTok TikTok shopping uh, just as fast as you can, uh, you know, flying through things in a manner that exactly. TikTok, TikTok <laughs> does online. So look, at it, it goes without saying that you in your teenage years and beyond loved the shopping. You loved going shopping and then the online thing came. Was that your way of progression? Yeah, that's it. Like, I think a lot of us as teenagers were kind of used to kind of going around our local shopping centres, kind mm. of going in window shopping, you know, if you had no money at the time, like yes. me going in window shopping, maybe saving up a bit. But then kind of when online shopping took off, I'd say it was about maybe 15 when online shopping really took off. Like, there was always a bit of online shopping, but you'd be wary of maybe ordering online, how would you return it, kind of stuff like that. But then it became really mainstream. And I think everyone, myself included, realised, wow, well, like, I can get you know, five articles of clothing for the cost of one, but I was paying in the shop. And a lot of the shops online, they were doing free returns. So it was absolutely no hassle to be buying multiple clothes you know, for a fraction of the cost, basically. So I think I got into the habit of just you know, any big event coming up or even any night out, I was just buying new. And I was starting to realise, wow, I'm going through a lot of clothes here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I have too much clothes. I couldn't possibly wear this amount of clothes. Now, I always would have donated my clothes to charity shops anyway. I would have gone to St. Vincent de Paul. But I was just realising the amount that I was going through, the kind of the churn, kind of, if you will, of the amount of clothes. So during the pandemic, obviously, I wasn't going out. I wasn't going to the office, so I didn't need the shirts and the slacks and things like that. So I was like, right, can I try and be a bit more sustainable about this? Can I analyse what I'm doing and be like, hang on a second, I don't actually need to be buying this amount of clothes and I need to get the wear out of the clothes that I do have. So that's what I tried to do anyway. Mm. And that was my journey where it started. So I initially started off shopping on Vintage Drop. So it's basically where uh, kind of people go and they buy in bulk, they buy vintage clothes from kind of markets in Europe or in England and they uh, sell them online and they have a website and you kind of pay for it and they'll ship it to your house. They're kind of like a mini shop. Mm. It's all vintage clothes, probably over 30 years old. Um, So I've gotten some lovely pieces from drops like that so the website goes live kind of once a week so there's a bit of an excitement about that so you kind of do get a bit of buzz off that you know waiting for you know, the surprise that's going to be up on the website so I did enjoy that but that is can be expensive so it's not really accessible for everyone Yes. so that isn't accessible for everyone so then I went on Depop which is an app in case people don't know so people resell their clothes on Depop and um, so it looks a little bit like Instagram there's kind of a grid and people put up pictures and you buy direct um, and it's done through PayPal most of the time. So a lot of people are selling clothes for really affordable prices on there. They're kind of buying from fast fashion. They might wear it once and then they want to get rid of it or sell it on. And you can snap it up for really cheap for half the cost. Um, and, you know, it's it's not going to end up in landfill that way. It's going to a good home. You'll get the use out of it. So I have to say I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. it. It does take a lot of time. That's the only thing not suitable for everyone. You do have to trawl through a little bit. It's not as easy as just popping onto ASOS and searching, you know, dress and mm. 101 little black dresses come up yeah. and you can take your pick of them. So you do have to reevaluate your own sense of style. You know, you might not be able to jump on the latest trends because obviously if they're trending, people aren't going to be selling them straight away. So you have to kind of look at your own style. So I had to do that and kind of be okay with, right, I'm not going to be on trend. This might be a bit out of fashion, but you know what, I don't care. If it looks good to me, that's it. So when you step back now, and we're the other side, please God, I, I know there's going to be cases of, of course, COVID this year, but we're the other side of the pandemic and the lockdowns. When you reflect and look back now, let me ask you a couple of things. Have you bought less? Have you saved money? And have you, uh, you know, your wardrobe in a ship shape? So I think in terms of buying less, I've definitely bought less. 100% I've bought less. I'd say I've reduced the amount I was buying by half, if not more. So I've definitely bought less and that was my main goal kind of over this thing. I wanted to actually buy less and consume less. 
So definitely that I've kind of achieved that, which I'm really happy with. In terms of saving money, I haven't saved money. I actually did up the numbers to see. I haven't saved money. I haven't spent any more, mm. but I haven't saved any money. So as I said, shopping kind of vintage and shopping sustainably, it can cost money. And as I said, it's not suitable for everyone. I'm thinking of people with young children. They're growing out of clothes, certainly. I mean, fast fashion might be the only option for parents. And people who are maybe on a lower income as well, they might not be able to afford to shop vintage all the time. So it won't work for everyone. Um, but in terms of the quality of the clothes that I've got, the vintage clothes, I just think are fantastic quality. Like most of them are made of more durable fabrics like cotton and they're biodegradable. So they're not made of synthetic fabrics which have plastic in them. So they're just a lot more breathable. They're a lot more comfortable um, and they just they're just so well made. Like just even the the linings on them, the stitching and stuff. There's there's no threads being pulled, and they, they just feel more durable. Um, and yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Just even when you're holding the clothes in your hands, you can just tell that they're a little bit better made. Obviously, because more is being invested into them back then. Because you know, not even even 30 years ago, it, there was no fast fashion. You bought an article of clothing, and that was going to do you for a good few years. And even before that, even you know, back I'd say in my grandparents' generation buying clothes like that was a real prized possession like a good winter coat you'd have that for years and years where yes. now we kind of have the mentality oh sure I'll buy a winter coat and that'll be out of fashion and sure I'll just throw it in the bin or I'll just you know give it you know, to a charity shop and it's this kind of endless cycle to always be up to the trend and get something new when really we need to be kind of purchasing good quality clothes and making them last and getting the use out of them and, you know, when you say all that and take us through how happy you are with it, there has to be one or two uh, downsides. Is there a downside to any of this? Did you, for example, you know, have you ever received anything that wouldn't be of the quality that you expected when you bought it? Or perhaps, you know, the sizing of things? Yes, so that has happened to me. Not in terms of quality. I've been happy with the quality of everything. Okay. The sizing. I did buy a skirt and it was way too long on me. Now, that was actually my fault. I Another thing I'd recommend if you're buying vintage or if you're buying from Depop, know your measurements. So actually measure how tall you are, measure your hips, your waist, things like that. And then you can't really go wrong because obviously if you're buying online and buying vintage, buying a Depop, you can't try anything on. Mm. That's the problem. You can't go into the shop. And on Depop, another disclaimer, there's no returns. So if you're not happy with the item, there's right. no returns. Now you can sell it on to someone else or give it to a friend or something like that. But I made the mistake there. I didn't ask. Hey, I'm not actually that tall. Like I'm only about five foot four. So I should have actually done that. So I would recommend that. So yeah, there I, there has been one or two things where the, the skirt it didn't fit me or was a bit too big on the waist. So yes. that was kind of early on at the start. And then I kind of got with it a little bit more, got a little bit wiser and was like, right, I need to actually start asking people what the measurements are. And all the sellers I've encountered in Depop are so lovely. They're really kind. They're happy to measure the clothes and to mm. send you closer mm. pictures or pictures of the labels and things like that. So the people are really nice. It's, it's a lovely atmosphere in there, I have to say. Like people are really genuine and helpful. So, because they want to sell the clothes and they want to make sure it goes to a good home and then you want to be happy with the purchase. So, yes. Yeah, I would recommend knowing your measurements and don't be afraid to ask questions about where the item came from and what it looks like on and things mm. like that. So yeah, there has been one or two where I've been like, all right, I can't wear this or this is falling off me or this is way too long, it's trailing on the ground. I'd be tripping over the skirt. So yeah, so that's my experience. But, um, but overall, really positive. And, and that's an important point you make. There is no return. And that's a big thing that's coming into focus. You know this with online, you know, returns. Uh, the waste of time, effort and everything that's going in there and with the returns, that's one thing is certainly being looked at when it comes to, you know, the whole environmental thing and uh, what we're facing on this planet of ours. Do you still shop for, you know, do you go out shopping for some items of clothing? I do, yes, that's right. So for things like, you know, like a vest or a tank top, I'd still yes. buy them fast fashion and like, I'd also buy shoes as well. I think shoes are just a little bit harder because mm. people wear them. Obviously, the, the, the soles kind of wear away. So I'm not perfect, as I said. I haven't got everything kind of from Depop or some things like that, like vest tops and tank tops. They're hard to find just online because no one's really selling them. You kind of wear them until they're falling apart anyway. Yeah. So stuff like that and shoes, I would still buy new. So I think the thing is to try not to be perfect at it, like try your best and that's all anyone can do. And I think there's a pressure for everyone to be doing the right thing, it kind of environmentally all the time. But I think if 
you make a start on it and buy. You know what, my next purchase, I might go on Depop and see what it's all about. Uh, or I might go and shop in a vintage shop or even go into your local SVP shop or a charity shop and start there because there's some really amazing clothes in the charity shops if you're really keen on trying things on and you're a bit wary of doing the online shopping. There's amazing stuff in charity shops and you're supporting the charity at the same time. So it's just to switch from that mentality of always having the brand new shiny item and your deliveries arriving every day kind of. So stuff like that has changed that mentality. I think that's the hardest thing. But I've been really happy with it and I was a bit scared to try it at the start. I was like, God, what will these clothes be like? You know, can I trust the people that I'm buying from? You know, what if it's all a scam? Like, I didn't know what to expect at all, but I've been really happy with it turned out. So I just encourage everyone to give it a go. And, you know, if it doesn't work out for you or you don't like it, you know what? You can say you've tried it. And yes. so that's the main thing. And are you, obviously, you register uh, with Depop. Uh, they take a 10%, I think, charge uh, from the person selling. Have you sold yourself uh, as no, well as... I no, I haven't. But this oh. week, I was actually going to start selling. So I've never sold anything in Depop myself. But this is my new goal now. That's my next step to start selling stuff in Depop. So I'll be interested now to see how I get on with that and if I manage to sell anything and... How yeah. to get on? So I've, I've never done anything like that before, like mm. selling anything online. So mm. it'd be interesting to see. So hopefully it's successful, and hopefully people will like the clothes that I put out there. <laughs> this will be your second chapter on this whole experience. <laughs> you have chapter one written, and now you'll have to go and and write chapter two on you. The other thing is, you, you as the seller, you, you're responsible for the posting and and ensuring that what you sell is delivered to the purchaser. But Depop, do they provide a facility themselves? Uh, that they they'll handle the 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 um you know the transport of the items. No, so the seller in Ireland anyway. The seller Ireland. always posted. So yes, it's other countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. in terms of though, just in relation to, I think it's important to flag that if you're not happy with the item in any way, you can open up a claim with Depop, like a dispute, and they will kind okay. of look at what's happened. So there is some kind of come back. recourse there, mm. come back there. You can also take a claim with PayPal. So I'd recommend for anyone's claim through PayPal, as PayPal do this for numerous websites, you can take a claim with them if you're not happy with the item you received. So I would recommend people paying via PayPal only. Um, and just now, I've never been scammed on Depop. And I don't think it's very common in Ireland at all. It might be in other countries, but just to make sure that you always pay through the app. You don't don't revolute anyone money or don't do a bank transfer or anything like that. It's always through the app because if there's a problem with the delivery or anything like that, you have that security there that it was done through the app. You have the receipt and everything. So just for people to be aware, don't like you, that goes the same when you're shopping online anyway, but just, just in case. Good advice. Really, really good advice there. So, a uh, very happy customer we're talking to today, Anya Kenny with Depop. And Vintage vintage Drop is the other one you mentioned, isn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. Vintage Drop. Both yeah. of those, yeah. We'll have to come back to you when you do your sales and we'll see yes. how you got on there with selling and what the crack was there. Uh, lovely to talk to you and interesting indeed. Another way to shop sustainably and not be buying, buying, buying just for the sake of it. Thank you, Anya. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care. That's Anya Kenny there and her experience of Depop and uh, Vintage Drop. They they rhyme, don't they? Depop and Vintage Drop. Check them out and see what they're all about. But uh, a very uh, strong testimonial there, I have to say, from Anya Kenny. A listener says, Jerry, mothballs are fantastic. My granny's clothes lasted and lasted. I'm glad you added the next few words to your message to me. They didn't smell great, though. I can still get the smell of the mothballs in me granny's house when I went there as a youngster. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Yes, today it wouldn't go at all. I wouldn't say anybody uses mothballs today, do they? Anyone out there still in the mothball brigade? Yes, back at a time when the Gallaghers were talking. That one was written by Noel. 1995, nearly 30 years ago from the album What's the Story Morning Glory? Number 8 in the USA at 2 on Tuesday. It only reached number 2 in the UK charts or on the UK charts. There you are. A classic, a timeless from Oasis on your late lunch this afternoon. Louise, I've just been thinking during the break, I have mudballs. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> I do. And do you feel sick with them? I'm going to the doctor after work. I have mott balls at home in the house. Remember I was laughing there about me granny having them, Monica, in the house and you'd smell them. You smell them in many houses years ago when you'd go in because mots were a yeah, big loads problem. Of drawers. Yeah, and they were protecting clothes. I have them uh, among my fly tying feathers so I have a lot of feathers for tying artificial flies for fishing and moths love getting in amongst the feathers I don't know where they come from I heard they get into them but I know I have a couple of moth balls sitting in there to keep the moths away but you know what they are I think I think it's a thing called camphor did you ever hear of camphor? No. Is yeah. that what the mothballs are made ingredient. out of? That's the ingredient. I think I'm right, folks, aren't I? I think camphor, C-A-M, I think they spelled it P-H-O-R, camphor balls or moth balls. I think they are one and the same thing. I'm nearly sure. But that smell you get, I think, is the camphor smell. Uh, and Why I, are they not used anymore then? Why are they not used? Is it, is it a case where there's, you said there used to be a lot more moths. So is there less moths or is it just that with fast fashion that we throw out things quicker than the moths can eat them. There's moths at every disco you go to. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, <laughs> uh, you should know that. Um, the, uh, I don't even want to explain <laughs> Me ma. Did you never hear that? Me ma. Oh, well, you know yes, what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, you yes, do yes, now. Yes, Come yes, on, Louise. Wakey, wakey. It's half two. I know we work late and do all that. You know what I'm talking about. You know, moths. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's twofold. I think there are less moths in houses. You know what I mean? Houses, the way they are today, mm-hmm. generally, you know, the, the, the level of cleanliness. No disrespect to anybody in the past or the present or whatever. That type of thing. Um, and also the smell of the camphor of the moths, Louise. <laughs> People would be stepping aside. <laughs> they wouldn't be standing beside you if you had a smell. Of would the... it stay on your clothes like? Oh, Lord, what? yes. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Even though you, you need to wash them before you wore them if you had mott balls in the drawers. But people didn't do that years ago because, you see, they didn't give a damn about that. There was no such thing as deodorant. <laughs> you could do what you want and people wouldn't be too <laughs> put out about it. That mass because, smell. Yeah, everyone's, balls mass yeah you see, smell. Ev- everyone smelled the same. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> but reeking. But uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Mottballs. Anyone, anyone, just for the crack today, anyone know of mottballs? Are mottballs still for sale anywhere, can you tell us? Would they still be used if you were putting away, like, you know, an item of clothing that you've, you know, for yeah. years? Would, yeah. would you put mottballs in with them before you packed it away? A wedding dress. Yeah. Would you do that? I'd say so. I, I don't know whether yeah that'd be probably a good that would probably loads of holes that, that would be a, probably a, a good idea because you hear the phrase that it's been mothballed mm. that phrase is still used so it is anyone help us today are mothballs still for sale can you buy them or camphor balls anyone use them for any purpose really I mentioned my fly tying feathers and that I, I keep it I keep a couple of them in them and they're there they're probably now nearly gone at this stage but anyway if you can help us on the mothball front 086 658 what WhatsApp or text us 086-1800-658 but WhatsApp or text this. Hold on a second before we go to the break. Just let me click on that one there and let me see what Eileen has to say. Yes, camphor, Jerry. C-A-M-F-E, camphor. Did C-A- it only work on moths or did it keep other things away? Oh, listen. It Apart keep, from other people. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the job you want. It could be a thing that could take off today. We are re-launching uh, uh, camphor mott balls on late lunch day. Many uses keeps undesirables away and other things besides. Back in a moment, late lunch. Yeah, we have a number of suggestions where you can get the mott balls in some of the major retailers, which uh, I must check out. One of them being a uh, Tesco that's been mentioned. Why not have a Christmas mott ball party, as a listener well there's a thought There'd be very few at that I'd say <laughs> with the stink we move on on late lunch this afternoon we have a lovely story now a truly heartening story I have to say eight year old Connor Fitzpatrick lives with spina bifida and he's been through a very tough time in his young life but the good news is that after having surgery recently he's on the mend and he's going to be playing football hopefully soon. That's his aim. He'd love to. He's a big fan. His dad is on the line to tell us more. Gareth, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Oh, this is just absolutely fantastic news because what I said there was he's been to hell and back, hasn't he? 
Yeah, he's look. He's he's went through a lot in his short time. Um, you know what I mean? Surgery after surgery to try and obviously Bournemouth's point of view for that um, brought some problems along the way, including you know his foot was the major problem. We had his heel has never touched the ground from the day he was born. So so he always walk, kind of walked funny or, you know what I mean, mm. he couldn't walk properly. So that was always the problem. And any surgery we ever got done over the years, you know, the surgeon's done a fantastic job, but it just seemed to reverse itself. So every time he had a bit of a growth sport or anything like that, the heel would lift again. So it mm. it would never touch the floor. We could, it could never get the, the, the surgery correct. And then... We, you know, we were under Mr. Green, who's who's Conor Green, who lots of people would see in the news lately, and uh, you know, trying to promote, um, you know, the problems in relation to waiting lists and stuff yes. like that and surgeries. And he came up with the, an idea that um, he could he could put Conor into a frame to try and lengthen his leg, and this would create space to put in an artificial bone. And like we were like an artificial bone. What's this? And like the artificial bone is made from a synthetic material that encourages other bone cells to grow around it. Mm. Connor had a CT scan on a strong right foot and the bone was replicated for the left foot using a high-tech computer guided 3D printing. And this was the first time this was ever done um, in Ireland. And it was created what we call the gold bone. And this was a, a bone that, that would, um, would help him. And his foot is completely flat now um, after, you know, you know, years of, of, yes. of, of trying. Mm. We finally seem to got that, and we do expect issues down the line. That's just that's just nature of uh, of the condition. But like um, his mom, um, uh, Vicky, um, uh, actually nursed him through the whole situation. She she um, yes. she became his his twenty four hour nurse, and she, you know, the whole way through while he was in the frame for that six months, he he never got really any infections at all because of the good work that was done by his mum. Um, so I mean, she done a, f- a, f- a fantastic job, you know. Yeah, and that is the thing, you know, the poor little lad through his young life, looking at his, you know, his uh, counterparts, his children the same age, doing all the things that young children do, and he could only look on. And then this six months you mentioned was crucial because the the leg and foot had to be prepared for that time, and infection was the big danger. And he got none. And fair dues, as you say, to Vicky. She was just brilliant with him. Look, this is incredible, isn't it? 3D printing, artificial, you know, bone and everything then uh, comes rounded naturally in, in his own body. I take it then, as you say, when you mentioned there that he, he, he as he grows, this will be continued uh, along the way for him. Yeah, it will indeed. Yeah, and this is the, the, as I said, you know, with every complex surgery, there's always, you know, there's always issues can arise from it. But as I said, this is probably the, this is the first time that we've ever had a situation where his foot could go flat into it, into his AFO yeah. and into his shoe. Mm. You know, so you know, it's 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 something that we actually never believed would happen. We, yes. you know, people talked about it. You know, surgeons talked about the possibility of, you know, if we do this surgery, if we do that surgery, we do the, and then. Mr. Green and and look, I mean, we we owe everything to him and his team. Like we do, actually. And I mean, this we're talking about a man here who who cares about children. We're talking about a man who takes things to heart. You know what I mean? Who takes when children don't have their surgeries or he can't get slots for them for the surgery. It, you know he. You know, but this man, he's fantastic. He said to us, um, "I've got a plan." Um, if you go along with it, and we said, yeah, whatever you think is what, you know, we put our full trust into you, and and we did. And what he does, Jerry, that I think is unique that I've never seen, you know, um, is he talks to the children. He actually talks to the child. Mm. He explains to the child what he's doing. He builds that trust, and I think that's a a, a really important thing to do for somebody who's dealing with with a, with a child because it's okay having trust in an adult, but for a child to trust. The person who's going to carry out the surgery, I think it's, it gives them a major lift when they go into surgery. It keeps them a lot calmer. It means that they're not, you know, scared. He'll ask them, have they any questions? And of course, Connor's question was at the start, "Will I be able to play football?" <laughs> um, that's all he wanted to do: go yes. out and play in the street with his brother and and, and play football. Like he knows he, he can't play like anybody else, but he'll definitely try. And yeah. that was the, that was that was the main aim of 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 of, of the whole situation. And and. Uh, you know, we're just absolutely delighted of, 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 of how it worked out. But obviously we spare thought for other children who are, 
you know, going through the process. And there's many of them out there, you know. Mm. I'm looking at pictures of him here as I speak online of uh, him on his bike and the helmet on and the smiles of him, uh, indeed. And and he will. And he, he's able to get his runner on now, onto yeah. his foot and, and down on the ground, which he never could before. What a dream, you know, a dream. And he will play ball. He, he will play with his friends. But coming back to uh, your brilliant surgeon, Dr. Green, and this group, Poshti in Pain, the advocacy yes. group, um, they're very important, aren't they? They're extremely important. This is, this is a group of parents who came together um, who have all got children that have the condition, one, one or the other. Some of them have spina bifida and hydrocephalus, or some of them have scoliosis. And this is people who have been fighting seriously hard um, you know, over, over, over a long period of time. They gave us fantastic support, do you know what I mean? And give mm. parents a fa- some... And they are already parents, so they know exactly what you're going through. So if you pick up the phone and speak to any of these parents, you know, who, uh, everybody knows what everybody's going through. It's not a case of that somebody doesn't... With, with your pain, is their pain, if that makes sense to you. Yes. Um, and I mean, like, if, uh, if I could give you a couple of statistics, Jerry, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, uh, you know, the, the minister did uh, announce earlier on this year that there'll be an extra 19 million in funding for direct pr- provisions of services for children living with spina bifida and or scoliosis. And to that effect, 63 children with spina bifida were transferred to Kappa in March for orthopedic care, and 61 of them had their surgery. 61 of the 63, mm. which is a huge number of, 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 of children. But mindful of the fact that 56 other children in CHI Temple Street for, uh, are down for orthopaedic surgery, general orthopaedic surgery, during the same time frame. Only 14 has been completed. 42 of them remain, remain on the list because of the complex. They can't be done in Kappa because maybe they have more underlying issues that they may need uh, more professional people to be you know, in the theatre at the time. So this is a major issue for, 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 for parents going forward. Like the minister did provide the funding and that has to be commended for the funding that was provided. Mm. But it needs to be, you know, allocated properly, in my opinion, and it needs to be, you know, the, the, the children on waiting list is not acceptable, in my view. Any child on a waiting list, anybody on a waiting list is not acceptable. Yeah. But it's extremely hard for a child when you tell the children that they can't do what the normal ch- children do. You know what I mean? Yes. And you may have seen uh, the, the RTE uh, maybe last week. There's a, a young girl called Brianna Phelan and mm. her mum, Trina. And she's, she's actually at home at the minute in a halo traction waiting to get surgery done. Yes. You know, I mean, stuff like this is very upsetting for people. Mm. And, you know, I feel like today I do spare a thought for all the children and parents waiting on waiting lists. We've, we've been the lucky ones who've got Connor through that stage, but I still feel the pain of people who haven't. Mm. And it's not acceptable. You know, I mean, there has been great work done and we do commend the people who've done that, but there's more to be done, Jerry. And I know you and your family are going to keep on uh, being a voice for those who are on those waiting lists. And you know what I think uh, when I listen to you there? Um, we found money when the pandemic descended yeah. upon all of us to yes. do what we had to do. And that showed me, and I'm sure you think this way too, that where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely there's a will, there's a way. And, and as I said, is it's extremely upsetting for children, extremely upsetting for parents when, through no fault of, of, of their own, they get the phone call, that dreaded phone call to say, your surgery is not going to take place today or, you know, tomorrow or the next day. When, remember, Jerry, it doesn't just affect the, the person who's having the surgery. The whole family's involved. Yes. Because it means there's enough people for... Some families have to travel from all parts of the country to Dublin, mm. which means at expense to themselves. To, you know, and they do that because they want to get their child sorted out. And then to be told at the last minute that it's not going to go ahead. It's devastating for families. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not sitting here to put the blame game on anybody. I'm saying it's not about a blame game. It's about everybody coming together from all political parties and none and saying it's just not acceptable anymore that we have children on waiting lists waiting for long periods of time to get surgery that they need just so they can get on with their ordinary day lives. That's just, it's not too much to ask, I don't think, Joe. And it's heartening to hear something, just to go back to you, something you mentioned a few moments ago, your surgeon in particular, but involving the child. It's very important across the the health spectrum to talk not over them, under them, around them, but to them as well, and to have them part and parcel of it. You've seen that yourself. He's obviously chuffed. He's he's over the moon himself, I take it. Well, he is, but he's a very modest person. And and, 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 I mean... um, like, for argument's sake, you could meet him in a corridor, you could meet him, 
he'll never pass you. Like yes, he will, he will never pass you. Yes. he'll always he will he, he will always stop and talk and ask you. Yeah, you know, and, and ask you, are you happy? What happened? Are you happy? Mm. Are you, you know, do you need any? Do I need to explain anything else to you? Yes, he talks to you. You know what I mean? It's, he doesn't talk down to you. He talks yes. to you. And, and and that's extremely important in my view. Mm. As I said, children listen, as you know, Jerry, very closely to adults' conversations. Yes. Sometimes too closely. But I think, you know, when Dick Surgeon explains to the child exactly what's happening. Now, in some cases, we understand children don't understand. Mm. But in Connor's case, he ex- definitely understands. Yes. So therefore, he was well prepared for a surgery, he was well prepared for what was going to happen. And he was as calm as they were. He just took everything in the stride. Mm. And that was purely down to Conor Green and his amazing team. team yeah. You know, and, and obviously modern technology, Jerry, which is, is, is just it's fantastic. Yeah, that's why I say that, that he must be over the moon with this pioneering, uh, you know, procedure and what he's done and what he's achieved and what he's delivered. And you trusted him. And look, look what's happened for y'all. Anyway, uh, football on the way, Dad. Are you ready for a, You've been through it. One guy already. And you have another daughter, of course as well and yeah. I'm sure you're kept busy with sports and activities who does he follow who does well, who does well, the young man follow he, well he's forced to follow Liverpool for no for, for reasons from from myself but my wife is from Burnley so he's a secret Burnley fan I think good man um, but um, no look he's um, it's it's anybody but Man United in my house, unfortunately <laughs> As, as I know you're an Arsenal fan, Jerry, so yes. I'm sure it's the same in your house. But I'm saying is, look, he just wants to get out there, I mean, and yes. and, and, and and try, I mean, in school today, for argument's sake, they were doing GAA. He's able to take part in that. Now, to what, you know, that, that's something that we just couldn't have even dreamed about. Yes. You know oh, I mean? look, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Will you wish him well? Congratulations to you all and your wife, Vicky. And uh, keep campaigning, keep shouting for those who need those procedures. But what a story Conor Fitzpatrick is. All the best for the future, Gareth. Okay, so one thing before I go, Jerry, if you don't mind. Quickly. Uh, uh, we're holding a fundraiser for Kappa, Kappa to raise funds for Kappa. Yep. And uh, if anybody wants to do- donate to that, um, it's uh, to Kappa Kids. They can do it through Vicky Marie Designs at gmail dot com or zero eight seven three nine eight five three eight seven Jerry, and all that money will go to Kappa. Um, good, good on you, and okay. well done, and thank you for joining me again today, Gareth. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take, Take care. Bye bye. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio on this Wednesday afternoon. It's time for this. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. It is Mr. Elvis Presley this week and uh, taking you back to 1954. Did you know that? I never realised this. I thought he was a regular. But Elvis made his one and only ever appearance on the Grand Old Opry in Nashville where he lived on October the 2nd of that year. And the reason was the audience for his performance there didn't know what to make of him. And in fact, the Opry's manager, Jim Denny, told him... That he wasn't bad, but he never thought he'd really suit. (laughs) What an incredible blunder that turned out to be. However, the Opry weren't on their own. They weren't the only ones to have their doubts about Elvis through 54 and 55, as his music and style were questioned across all forms of media. It didn't deter him, however, because it would be a couple of years later, 1956, when he put down his first recordings with RCA Victor in Nashville that... Elvis really took off. Six appearances followed on national TV station CBS, followed by the release of his first album in March of that year. And that really propelled Elvis top of the pile, especially with his version of Hound Dog, which sent the world wild. Everyone wanted a piece of Elvis the Belvis. They did indeed. His story continues with me tomorrow. But for today, my song is from 1960 and I simply love it.
The King, Elvis Presley, my artist of the week on your late lunch this week. He's simply something else, isn't he? Imagine, I just think about at the time when he came on the scene, the stir he caused. Absolutely tremendous. More about the man and his music tomorrow on Late Lunch. Jerry, I got these in Lidl, I think, a long time ago. They are mothballs. Thank you indeed for sending us in the picture of the packet. Uh, not camphor, uh, the, the listener says. I don't know whether there's an L. El- no, not camphor is right. Poison to aquatic life. They used to use camphor, however, Jerry, to fumigate houses back in the 1950s. Elvis era. We're just uh, featuring him this week. If there was anyone with a bad sickness in the house, example, uh, scarlet fever or whatever, camphor would be deployed. Thank you indeed for your message and WhatsApping us today in the show. I do appreciate it. Final break of the afternoon on late lunch. And up next, we're staying with music on the show today. And another young man who's simply brilliant. He's an international singing star from Dundalk. I remember him coming here to the studio, playing his guitar acoustically for me many moons ago. He's just released his new album on his own label. David Keenan's with me next. I'm sure he's just fed up me saying this, but I remember when he came to the studio here, just himself and the guitar many moons ago, and I told him then, and I knew it, that he'd be a superstar. And indeed he is. And he's back with me on Late Lunch today. David Keenan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Good to hear you. You're very kind. Oh, not at all. And great to hear you too. New album, Crude. I've been listening to the tracks since you sent it to me. I absolutely love it. Why have you uh, sort of self-published, so to speak? Well, I just felt like it was the right thing to do for me at this point. It released, um, this, that'll be the third record in, in, in the same amount of years. And the record company I was with was just a bit hesitant about putting in another album so soon. And, uh, I felt like it was something that I had to do myself. So it's been a real education. Barrack Street Records, inspired by the street in Dundalk, was I set it up a few years ago, just releasing CDs and some singles on Spotify. And you know, I've I've, I've been around a couple of years now, Jerry, and I've, I've I'm learning all the time. And mm. you know, it, it, to be an independent artist, there's there's a lot to be said for it. You know, yeah. and 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 the response from people has kind of has proven that. You know, but. The album's just me and the guitar essentially return to the roots of, of what I do and uh, mm. it's really lit a fire in me again, you know. Yeah, it's your fourth album is right. Yeah, when you're constrained by bigger entities, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. But here's the thing about this. Two days, you put it all down. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it poured out of me, you know, and it came from a kind of a, a deeper thing of... of, of you know, wanting to to get closer to the essence of what I do, and and although I I was playing with a band and they're a great band, I I kind of felt a bit of loneliness in and amongst the big production, and I wanted to go back to when I was that hungry, you know, seventeen year old kid busking, and uh, go back to the spirit of that, and um, I did on this record, and I, I I kind of find if something doesn't happen within two or three takes, you, you have to move on, otherwise you're just it's a poor copy of itself. So the whole album is really live and, and uh, it feels raw. It's called crude. It's unfiltered. It's not produced. And um, as I said, it's just lit that fire in me again where I feel like I'm I'm answering, I'm, I'm, I'm captaining my own shit, you know? Mm. And, you know, you in a way you feel trial the songs because you just uh, come off the back of a, an extensive tour with Counting Crows, including a huge gig at the Three Arena in Dublin. And you know, you know what I'm saying here. They loved you, and and they loved these songs as well. So it paves the way, I take it, for yourself to tour. Yeah, it feels like just momentum building again. But I, I think you know, it's just it's an ancient thing. Rather than walking out with a band, walking out with a guitar and telling the story and and connecting people like that, like like you know the bardic tradition in Ireland, or standing on a corner on a fruit box, you know, singing, mm. telling your poems and. People identify with that because they can see it and it's tangible. And uh, and that tour especially, like, was just planting seeds for this record. I got to play some big rooms and Adam, the singer from Count Crows, turned out to be uh, a father Ted obsessive like myself. So we bonded over that. <laughs> uh, we had the crack over that. It was a great. It was a great experience, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, it's what I've been doing. I, I've missed that extensive tour, and, and I got a chance to, to kind of 
you know, get get that momentum again. Mm. Tell us about this music for On Law, the new play by Ivan Kilgallen. It's opening in Dublin's Glass Mask Theatre uh, later this month. Yeah, well, that, that was a, a day yesterday. I finished the music for that yesterday. So my name was on the poster, Jerry, but it was a bit of a chance. So I didn't actually have. I didn't. Uh, the poster was out, and I hadn't got the music. <laughs> Good on you. Classic, classic. But uh, we finished it yesterday, and uh, it's part Irish, part English. Oscailge, uh, and it's it's a kind of a hero's journey play. It's Class Mask is a real again talk about independent. Rex Ryan is running it, and. Uh, and um, I'm just grateful to be involved. It's something different for me to do and to kind of develop, you know, mm. a musical score for something. And uh, you know, it being Oscailge as well as, as and it's 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 about Breton law, Ireland, and and modern Ireland, and the and it's it's a kind of a purgatory play. But you know, I, I I'm just blessed to get to do things. I get up, I can get up in the morning and do what I love and express myself in these kind of projects. So. Yeah. Looking forward to it. The album now, I know it's in classified records. Our good friend Neil there is stocking it. Bandcamp on 12-inch vinyl, digital download. It's all there. It's all there and it comes direct from me and I even licked the stamp. <laughs> Don't throw the envelope away. Keep that stamp forever. It's going to be worth a fortune in years to come because David Keenan licked it. Listen, we want to finish out the show today with uh, the first single, Ears Are Prick. Just quickly, this one is about... It's about a sense of humour, Jerry, and how vital it is to get through life and holding on to that. Laughing. Laughing when we need it most. So important. You're one of the real good ones. I wish you well. Lovely to catch up with you today. The best of luck with the album and everything else into 2023. I love when you join me. Thanks so much. Thanks, brother. Take care, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Yes, it's the brilliant David Keenan. We're going to hear him now in a second. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Nigel McKenna about the tragic death of his niece in New York. Bobby McCormick about Ireland's role in COP27. And John O'Brien, Mead's most inspirational person as well as and more besides. But we leave you today with the brilliant David Keenan from his new album called Crude. Check it out. Here's the first single, Ears Are Pricked. See you tomorrow. on the side playing in the local band his girlfriend was having their first child Freddie used for recreation till it took him in the night Advertisement, though his heart dropped out long before, he was left a house by a spinster auntie and very quickly blew it up. Left the gas on during football, fell asleep and never rose. Poor Davy. The dying and the sick It's funny what you hear When your ears are pricked I better get me own shit Sorted quick Who knows LMFM Podcasts With CNC Carpets We bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 